asleep, settling into the arms of Morpheus. We all appreciate that there's nothing quite like a good night's sleep. We can then wake up refreshed and ready for the day ahead. But being sleep deprived is more than just needing an extra cup of coffee or two. It can have a real impact on our mental health, including our ability to suppress unpleasant and unwanted thoughts. I'm Charles Blue with the Association for Psychological Science, and you're listening to Under the Cortex. To help us understand a little bit more about the role of sleep and the ability to suppress unwanted thoughts, I have with me Scott Kearney with the University of York. Welcome, Scott. Hi, Charles. How are you? I'm Scott Kearney from the University of York in the UK, and uh, I'm a cognitive neuroscientist that specializes in sleep and its role in memory and emotion regulation. You recently published a paper in the journal Clinical Psychological Science, where you explored the relationship between sleep deprivation and the ability to control unwanted thoughts. Could you tell us a little bit more about this research and its implications? Absolutely. So I think a a good starting point is just to um, characterize uh, what we mean when we're talking about an intrusive thought. So intrusive thoughts happen to people um, quite often. So um, you can picture a scenario where you may uh, come across um, an everyday item or uh, an everyday experience. And what that everyday item will do is um, kind of act as a reminder to something that may have happened to you in the past that, that could be unpleasant. And what that evokes is a, uh, an intrusive or an unwanted thought because you don't want it there, but it's sort of popped into your consciousness and um, reminded you of, of that past unpleasant event. So when we're, we're, we're thinking of an intrusive thought, you could imagine, for example, something quite uh, relevant to what's going on right now with the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So I don't know how things were in the United States, but one thing that happened at the beginning of the pandemic in the United Kingdom is for some reason, everyone just went crazy buying toilet paper. And yes, we, we endured that as well. Yeah, so um, it, it became very difficult to, uh, to buy toilet paper for a while. And perhaps um, a few years from now, hopefully when um, this situation um, is brought back under control, uh, potentially when someone sees a roll of toilet paper in a, a supermarket, this might actually uh, inadvertently bring back uh, memories or uh, of unpleasant experiences that happened to them, potentially sort of the, the, the death of a family member or a friend as a result of COVID-19. So that's kind of a, a current example of how um, an everyday item can actually act as a reminder to produce these intrusive thoughts. Uh, let's as a clarification then this is not about some underlying psychological condition this is a very normal process in human thought you're talking about so that's a really interesting question because uh, intrusive thoughts happen to everyone um, to uh, some people have them more than others Um, and people engage in different kinds of strategies to deal with these intrusive thoughts. So one that we are particularly interested in terms of the context of this study is thought suppression. So you, you push that thought out of mind, kind of make your, your memory go blank or make your, your mind go blank. Um, other, other strategies that people engage in are a thought substitution strategy. So they, they may um, you know, just think about something else, something more positive. Um, but although these kind of intrusive thoughts happen to everyone things get problematic when they occur persistently and also they start to occur without these these reminder cues so people 
kind of have a, a negative thought bias and it's this persistent negative thought bias that can contribute to the onset of various um, psychiatric conditions such as depression or post-traumatic stress disorder and these sorts of disorders are, are, are very much characterized by this uh, these kind of continuing um, negative and uh, unpleasant intrusive thoughts that people have a very difficult time uh, being able to control and um, you know, get, get a hold of. That puts us in a good context then. So it is sort of somewhere between problems everyone endures, but when they get beyond occasional, that's when the problems creep, creep in. Absolutely. And, and that's why we were interested in sleep, because sleep is uh, something which in uh, the vast majority of cases of these sorts of psychiatric disorders, such as depression and, and post-traumatic stress disorder, are um, also uh, something that um, people suffering from these disorders also have problems with. So um, often people with uh, depression or, or post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD for short, will suffer from co-occurring insomnia. Um, and we were interested in understanding whether um, this these, these sorts of problems that people have with sleep may actually contribute to the onset of these disorders or indeed the, um, the maintenance of these disorders. So this is what we sought to model in the study that we carried out in healthy adults in the lab. So how did you go about this study? You were able to find people who were either willing to go without sleep or were already suffering from some form of consistent intrusive thought. So uh, what, we, uh, what we did was we uh, had uh, a set of uh, around 60 participants that were uh, mostly undergraduate students at the University of York, and these were uh, healthy uh, participants. They're all young, healthy adults. And what we did with these participants is we um, asked them to carry out a, a task, a very well-established task that models intrusive thought, so allows you to essentially create intrusive thoughts artificially in the lab. And this task is known as the think no think task. So what happens in a think no think task is that people are initially shown um, a bunch of pictures of different scenes and each one of these scenes is paired with a, a different face. So this face is um, just a picture of a, a man uh, or a woman and they, they tend to have uh, neutral expressions or sometimes, sometimes positive expressions. And um, what we, ask people to do is to learn these associations, but we overtrain them so that um, we, we ask them to learn and learn them until they are essentially at a point where they can recall all of them with 100% accuracy. And then what we do after a period of time is then show them the face on its own and um, ask them um, in one condition, which uh, is known as a think condition, to try and bring back the associated scene to, to mind, so try as best they can to retrieve that association. Now in the other condition, we tell them that when they see that face, they need to stop that retrieval event from happening. They need to prevent that kind of, um, uh, need to prevent that scene from coming into mind. So this is quite difficult because we've overtrained them already on these associations. They actually kind of have quite a hard time in stopping that retrieval event from, from happening. And then after they've attempted to stop that retrieval event, what we do is ask them about what happened. So we say, um, be honest with us on each one of these uh, individual trials. Were you able to 
stop that retrieval event from happening or did it actually happen? Could you not stop that retrieval event? And those instances where individuals are not able to um, stop that retrieval event from happening, no, what, no matter how, how hard they tried, we call those intrusions because we're mm -hmm. essentially modeling an intrusive thought. That's where an individual has tried to stop this information from, from coming into their mind, but they've not been able to do so. And what's important is that half of the um, scenes that the people were learning or attempting to stop, uh, the learning in the first place, these scenes that people were attempting to stop um, coming into their mind, half of those were negative and half of them were neutral. So what we could look at was um, how good people were at stopping these uh, thoughts associated with um, previously encountered or previously learned material, depending on whether it was emotionally negative, so unpleasant or emotionally neutral. Then the really uh, sort of important manipulation was that uh, before people did this think no think task in the interval between the learning and the think no think task, we had people either sleep as normal um, and they slept uh, actually in our sleep lab at the University of York. So um, they, they stayed overnight in the lab or they were kept awake the entire night by the research team. So um, they were, were sleep deprived um, across the entire night and people were supervising them to make sure that they didn't uh, you know, get a, a little cat nap here or there. Um, and then they carried out the think no think task uh, the following morning. And what we found was that individuals that were sleep deprived had a much higher rate of these intrusions. So they couldn't stop these intrusions from um, coming to mind as well as the individuals that had slept normally. And what was also very interesting is that whereas people that had slept normally could um, kind of learn how to control these intrusions better, so they, they, you kind of saw a training effect in these individuals that had slept, that training effect wasn't there in the sleep-deprived individuals. They just, they just couldn't get better at, at stopping these intrusions. And furthermore, the sleep-deprived individuals, even when they actually were able to stop a particular item from intruding, when we tested them on the, that next item the next time round, they then couldn't stop that item from intruding again. So once they'd kind of got control of that thought, they then lost it the next time round, and we refer to that as a relapse. So there were these, these really interesting effects in terms of people's ability to uh, get control of their thoughts and, and stop these thoughts from jumping into the mind when they, they didn't want them to. You had to rely on overtraining. Is mm -hmm. that possibly something that's happening naturally in people with PTSD or other things where they are focusing so much on some negative event in the past that essentially they have overtrained their brain, which is contributing to this? Uh, that, that's uh, a really good point and a really interesting question. So um, some of the earlier work that was uh, done using this think no think task demonstrated that when people engage in thought suppression, um, the ability to then recall that memory later on is reduced. So it appears that actively suppressing a thought actually down-regulates that memory. Mm. So that can actually be quite an effective strategy in terms of preventing unwanted thoughts of un unpleasant experiences from coming to bother you in the future. And it's possible that individuals that are suffering from disorders such as post-traumatic post stress disorder or depression are uh, actually 
as a result of ruminating on these experiences or continually thinking about these past experiences uh, are, are causing a, a kind of unwanted upregulation of that memory. So it's, uh, it's kind of a vicious cycle that you can, you can think of where they really don't want to think about these experiences, but they are doing. And as a result of thinking about these experiences more, they're unable to suppress that, that memory. As well as doing the think no think task, what we had our participants do was before the think no think task and after the think no think task, we asked them to provide ratings for each one of the images. And um, while they were providing these, these ratings in terms of how unpleasant or pleasant they found them, we also collected uh, galvanic skin, skin responses because these provide a, a psychophysiological yeah. index of mm -hmm. emotional arousal. Now, what's really interesting is, um, so uh, uh, one of the co-authors on this study, Mike Anderson, who's been doing a lot of work in this area for, um, I think, uh, several decades now, has shown in work from his lab previously that when people um, are involved in thought suppression, when they engage in thought suppression of unpleasant events, what actually happens is it not only down-regulates the memory associated with that unpleasant event, but it also down-regulates the emotional arousal associated with it. So if you imagine kind of thinking back to something unpleasant that happened to you um, many years ago, you can probably remember it quite vividly, but the, the emotional arousal that's associated with that event, that emotional arousal you experienced at the time is, is often not there to the same extent that it was when the event happened to you or when you thought about it in the, in the short interim time. And it's thought that this thought suppression process may actually help in down-regulate that emotion. Now, what was really interesting is that we saw in both the subjective responses and also the skin conductance data is that indeed engaging in thought suppression led to a reduction in this sort of emotional reactivity, but only in the individuals that had slept. So when people hadn't been to sleep, when they'd been sleep deprived, not only could they not get hold, get a hold of their thoughts, not only could they um, not prevent these unwanted thoughts from coming to mind, but they then didn't get the benefit of um, thought suppression in terms of the emotion regulation. So mm. this is again also then linked to when you think in, ter in terms of the context of um, psychiatric disorders such as depression and post-traumatic stress disorder is that potentially individuals that are, are suffering from persistent and unwanted thoughts are also then unable to uh, eradicate the, the emotional arousal associated with them. So you end up in this kind of vicious cycle of um, unwanted thoughts and unwanted emotions, which is then exacerbated by the fact that often these individuals can't get a good night's sleep. So really it becomes quite a, a, a vicious circle in terms of the, the, the problems that they're, they're undergoing. One question we hadn't, what's actually happening during sleep? Is it just that the people you're studying uh, are more tired and that of course affects so many aspects of, of mental processing? But is there something else going on in sleep or the way the memories are, are processed? How much of a role or, or what role, way does sleep actually impact ability to downregulate these things? So that's yeah, a great question and um, something that we're doing further work at the moment to, to try and understand. There's been a lot of work over the past uh, 10, 15 years that has uh, shown that this ability to control unwanted thoughts is uh, linked to an area of the brain. Um, called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. And 
what is thought to happen is the uh, when we engage in thought suppression is the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex essentially sends a kind of stop signal to the area of the brain that's involved in memory retrieval the hippocampus so the the um, dorsolateral prefrontal cortex essentially puts the brakes on the hippocampus and stops that retrieval event from happening now um, a lot of uh, other work has shown that this um, dorsolateral prefrontal cortical area uh, becomes impaired when people are sleep deprived. So um, it's it's an area that's involved in executive control, also involved in attention and working memory. And this area becomes impaired when people are sleep deprived. So what we believe is happening is as a result of sleep deprivation, um, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is um, becoming impaired and can no longer or not as efficiently put the brakes on the hippocampus. So as a result, there's, uh, you don't achieve the down regulation of the memories that you want. Interestingly, we see that this down regulation, this kind of healthy down regulation from the cortex to the, the medial temporal lobe also encompasses the amygdala, which is associated with uh, emotional arousal. It also then appears that potentially what might be going on is this parallel down regulation of these areas of the brain involved in memory and emotional arousal is impaired as a result of sleep loss and these areas then essentially have uh, they, they essentially have free reign to mm-hmm. um, kind of retrieve information in a in a kind of unguarded and an uninhibited way um, such that when people are sleep deprived they, they experience these um, bouts of um, irritability you know unpleasant mood uh, and also these these unwanted thoughts so this is something that we're actually addressing right now. We have a, a study um, that's ongoing at the um, University of York at the moment. Unfortunately, it's it's been delayed slightly by COVID, um, but we're actually repeating this study right now, but inside the scanner, uh, inside an fMRI scanner. Um, ah. So people are um, doing exactly the same kind of thing as they did in the, the study that we're talking about today. Um, but when they were doing the think no think task, they were doing that inside an MRI scanner. So what we are hoping to see is that indeed uh, when people are sleep deprived, this area of the brain, um, this dorsolateral prefrontal cortex area is in, indeed impaired and its ability to um, downregulate the hippocampus and the amygdala is um, as a result uh, impaired too. So if someone were listening to this then and they are having bouts of intrusive thoughts, is there particular tactics they could do besides getting enough sleep? Is there a better way of getting a handle on this or are some people just better at switching things off than others? There's certainly significant individual differences. Uh, it seems that some people are particularly good at, at switching these thoughts off and um, others are not so good. And I think that's a, a really important question in terms of where this field is going is understanding these individual differences and how we might um, use that information to help people that have um, problems with controlling thoughts and may be at risk of um, developing disorders which are characterized by persistent and unwanted thoughts. In terms of what people might do to get a better handle on their thoughts, um, if they're, they're experiencing these, these kind of um, unpleasant events regularly, is to try and avoid ruminating or focusing too much on, on those thoughts. So um, what that means is kind of constantly reliving um, the past and, and not kind of trying to put that past event to, to bed, um, forgive the pun given this study, uh, and yeah, not, not focusing too much on the, the, the content of that past event. 
as well as that, using more adaptive strategies, sort of what I mean by that is strategies that you can actually use to adjust the way in which you think about that previous event. And that can actually help people get a better handle on the kind of um, uh, thoughts that they may be having. So one of these, for example, is called positive reappraisal. And what, uh, what this involves is attaching um, some kind of positive meaning to the event. So you might try and change the, uh, the, the context of the event slightly so that you can think of maybe a positive outcome or maybe a, a learning experience that you had as a result of that unpleasant event. So going back to the, the toilet paper example, although, you know, it may have been... Um, which is really, still fresh in everyone's minds, yeah, yes. Exactly, which is still, still fresh in everyone's minds because, um, you know, it's, it's something that um, seems like, the, the, you know, everyone, uh, everyone has some experience of. But going back to that example, you know, you may be able to sort of put a positive spin on that and think, well, actually, you know, um, that was a very kind of annoying and stressful time. But one thing it showed me is that actually I didn't need to buy as much as I thought. And <laughs> I could uh, I could actually I've actually ended up saving myself some money because I realized that I didn't need to buy 12 rolls um, each time I go to the shop. I could I could buy three or four. It also turns into an interesting anecdote you can share with your kids or grandkids at some point. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, 2020, which is the year of the, uh, the, the great toilet roll looting. Before we wrap up, is there anything that we haven't covered that is essential for someone to understand about this research? So I think uh, from a health perspective, something that's very important to understand is that uh, sleep is, is not something that you should overlook. It's something that's very important for your physical health and also as we've demonstrated in this study, your mental health and um, keeping control of uh, um, your thoughts and keeping those kind of unpleasant thoughts at bay. But something else just to, to bear in mind is that unwanted and intrusive thoughts um, are quite normal. They, they happen to everyone and it's something that we just have to live with. This is unfortunately a byproduct of the way that our brains operate and the way that our brains operate when we're um, confronted with reminders. Um, but obviously, if uh, these these kind of thoughts happen persistently and are causing you distress, then um, that's a time that you should um, potentially go and um, speak to a specialist. And uh, hopefully you can uh, work on improving that. This is Charles Blue with the Association for Psychological Science. I have been speaking with Scott Kearney of the University of York, who's a researcher in sleep and emotional memory consolidation. So thanks, Scott, for joining us. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Charles. Uh, thanks for having me. It was great to be here.